Hello, listener. What you're about to hear is a What Are We Do Show patron unlock. This is material which our Patreon supporters have early access to. If you'd like to experience these episodes when they're at their freshest, become a What Are We Do Show patron today at patreon.com slash W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U. Ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, welcome to Friday the 13th. <laughs> sorry, wrong podcast. I, I, I had the wrong scripts in front of me. I'm terribly sorry about it. No, no, no. This is not, you know, the occult hour here at Warrior Desho. It is, in fact, second stream, and we're covering given number 10, or give 10, as we call it. I am, of course, you know, uh, bald anger man himself, uh, Shaden, and joining me, you know, from across the pond, but always close to my heart, is, you know, very good friend of mine, the Soul Doctor. Uh, hello, Captain Doug. Greetings. Uh, due due to what happened a moment ago, I may or may not have uh, wet myself. That was a very scary intro that you that you graced us with. <laughs> Thank you. I I work I, I work very hard on the evil laugh. It's great. Um, I I often like burst, good. I often burst out into it randomly. Like you know, I'm just there. Like you know. At a till, and I'm just going, and then she goes, uh, "Sir, like you haven't paid yet." Oh, so, sorry, terribly sorry. Uh, uh, do, do you? I don't have exact change. I'm sorry. Oh my. Uh, so yes, but I do have a debit card. <laughs> You're not ready for my Amex. <laughs> Amex is cursed. no limits. Um, you know, I do that. Uh, truth be told, also sometimes at home. Uh, when I'm kind of being self-involved and lost in thought or something happens that I find particularly amusing. Uh, and my youngest son will just all be like, Daddy, can you stop? <laughs> just... <laughs> he doesn't enjoy that. Uh, Not that he's scared, he's just annoyed. He's going to be saying that exact same thing when he's much older, you know. Daddy? Yeah. Oh, Dad, can you just, can you just stop, please? Dad? Old man, please <laughs> shut it down. Oh God! Anyway, trying so, to be cool over here. Trying, trying. <laughs> Just also getting committed while you're at it. Yeah, you know it's a two yeah. for one deal. But anyway, uh, we are of course here today to talk about given episode ten, Wonderwall. Uh, you know, classic, baby, yeah, you're gonna be the one that saves me. Saves me. And I'm like, hmm, that's that's not possibly relevant to the events of the show in any way, shape, or form. I don't believe that for a moment. You'd think that they were picking these songs randomly. Uh, they were. They definitely are. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, by the way, uh, Given is now the number one in uh, Japanese properties recommending playlists for Spotify. Uh, unseating <laughs> uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain from that role, <laughs> uh, mainly because uh, the, because Metal Gear Solid Five is a you know deeply flawed uh, clusterfuck of a game and a story. Whereas Given, you know, you get the you get the playlist and you also get a great story to go with it. So, 
Thank you very much for that, Given. You've you defeated Hideo Kojima. Well done. <laughs> he will rise again shortly, though. Um, I'm confident. I, I'm sure he will with his, you know, pissing simulator Death Stranding, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> no, not today. No. We'll take the piss out of the pissing simulator at a different time. Okay, so, babbling aside, let's talk about the episode, but just as a quick reminder here, uh, this is our second stream format. What does that mean, you might wonder? Well, again, it's not nothing to do with, you know, the stream of piss that is coming out of Death Stranding. <clears throat> but rather... I knew it was coming. You, of, of course you did. Come on, how could I How could I not? Someone would have pointed out if I hadn't. But rather, um, this is kind of like our regular stream of for- format, but rather than going into extensive detail about the plot and making quips and such as we go along, we're just going to cut straight to the meat, straight to the good stuff, straight to the discussion. So we're going to assume that you've already got the full context of the episode by actually having watched it. Uh, and if you have not, then there will be spoilers and in-depth discussion from here on out, no holds barred. So now is your chance to bail out if you want to, to go catch Wonderwall and probably listen to the song as well while you're at it. It's a good track. I like it. Uh, but otherwise, we're going to get started right away. So I'm going to pass, you know, the uh, baton over to you, Doc. Do you have a talking point to lead off with about episode 10? Well, it's funny that you should... <laughs> Pass me the talking point baton this week of all weeks. Uh oh. To start it off, because, like, honestly, Stan, this is one of those episodes that I feel like thematically, I mean, there's a, in terms of new ground, like maybe like a little bit here, but like, I feel like the show is kind of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, kind of playing the hits, read the <laughs> themes, and kind of there's just like a lot of really fun stuff that happens uh Mm. there's one sort of ominous thing that happens toward the end of the episode that i quite frankly uh am worried about because i get paranoid about these kinds of things um but no i mean i think like gosh the only big uh point that i have at the minute is that i i found like the fact that uh mafuyu this episode is thinking about the future to be really heartening because, you know, as we talked about last time, uh, grief can really kind of um, put you in a place where you're only trying to survive and it's hard enough to focus on the here and now and getting through mm-hmm. each moment. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, you know, he, he with the live performance and preparing for it helped... Uh, th- that all helps him get to kind of a new emotional and mental plateau. Hmm. And he's at a point now where he can think about the future. He can plan. He can say, I want to write this song in the future. Next time I, we do a live show, I want to like have these feelings again. And that like looking forward to things is a, such a huge step. And I'm so happy for him well. that he is in that headspace. Well, you're not wrong there, because um, I had a different talking point to start with. I've got a few, actually. But you've just, with your talk there about the future, you've just brought up something really important, which is the band's name and how it changes. Because now, you know, they've done the title drop. Uh, The seasons have gone, and now we have given as the band name instead. And that might, on its surface, seem like... Gavens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so stupid and great. I loved it so much. Aki, just Gavens. It's it's just basically the same as the the original Spider-Man film skit, like the human spider. What? That's lame. Thank you for that, Bruce Campbell. Uh, But anyway, why is this more important than simply being just an aesthetic choice and just a title drop? Because think about what seasons are conceptually. They're cyclic. 
you know, mm-hmm. they keep going back around always inevitably and immutably. Uh, climate change notwithstanding, but we're not against that right now. Um, so the fact that they've now transitioned away from this cyclic nature that they've imposed on themselves by calling them the seasons, cells the seasons, and now just taking on a different name entirely, um, I think that's quite important. I think it's another signifier of how the status quo has changed since the previous episode. Now that Matthew's finally, you know, got his voice out there to any arm has come to terms with his feelings. Doesn't mean all the problems are resolved, mind you. It was, you know, they're not walking off into the sunset yet. But I do think that the name change has more significance than simply just being that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. That is an interesting wrinkle here that uh, and signifier, as you say, that perhaps the cycle that uh, Mafia in particular, and maybe some of the other ones, like were kind of in... Um, are maybe they're ready to maybe the boys are ready to take steps forward to to move on uh yeah no i thought that was great well we, there's a definite sign of that given what happens with akiko and yayoyo at the very start of the episode but i will mm. come back to that later because <laughs> i'm gonna you know once again turn the screw in and all that on that particular plot point although not as in the same way as i would previously but i'll elaborate later what I do want to talk about instead, though, and this is going to be my big all-encompassing point here, is I want to talk about comedy. And specifically, I want to talk about its application and its use. So for me, some of the greatest shows that I've ever seen in anime specifically do a wonderful job of blending both their comedy and their drama perfectly from scene to scene, from moment to moment, without ever feeling jarring, where the comedy doesn't like weaken the drama, or vice versa for that matter. Uh, Land of the Lustrous, uh, one of my favourite shows of all time, is such a perfect example of that. All throughout, there's plenty of jokes being cracked, you know, there's a nice bit of situational comedy here and there, but it never ever detracts or weakens the dramatic beats and the darker moments of that show's run. Um, it's one of the best examples I can personally think of of modern anime that accomplishes that well. Now, that being said, doesn't mean you have to continually weave these in together throughout the entirety of your show's run. You can apply comedy to a show for a different purpose, if need be, to help sell the tone, to accentuate it. So, if you think back over the course of Given thus far, like, there have been comedic beats here and there, don't get me wrong. But they've mostly been very subtle. There haven't been really many visual uh, beats or tricks with that. And yet, this episode is chock full of them. We've got Uenoyama's own like paranoid fantasies, including Uenoyama in space. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that whole thing. I, I really <laughs> want so to believe. I really want to believe that's a flight of the Concords reference to the Bowie's in space. <laughs> Bowie's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you... David, are you there, David? <laughs> this is Bowie out to Bowie. I'm gonna. I can't sing it. I'm only gonna do a disservice to Jermaine and Brett there. Uh, but yeah, um, I think they would probably approve of Given. By the way, those two. I don't know what Murray would think, but then again, Murray's an idiot anyway. So fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was good in uh, Voltron. <laughs> that's true. He's that's he's true. a voice in that show. He was great. Just basically the same voice, by the way. The Murray <laughs> prison, like that whole thing. <laughs> like he's. The, <laughs> just does that same voice. Oh, now I'm thinking of the Cheer Up Murray song. Cheer up, Murray. You've got a dog and he loves you, Murray. <laughs> and this begins my karaoke career. This will never happen again. I'm so sorry. Anyway, back onto the topic. So, 
there are a lot more visual comedic beats in this episode. I mean, we've got stuff like Haruki's own, like, flustered nature when he gets handed the USB pen drive. We've got the completely mm. unexplained, and thank God it is, explosion of smoke around armor when he visits Matthew's apartment. <laughs> I was, I'm so happy you brought this up, because... Yeah. I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> And then, what happened? And then when um, <laughs> and when the band chooses a new name and then orders food, like Matthew's like, wait, what, don't I get a say? And everyone's like, no, I've already decided. And he just kind of melts away into the background. Or the incredible insert shot that you yourself post in our Discord of Haruki and Akiko just like throwing up horns when he... <laughs> yeah. So there's... A, but that's the thing, like, pound for pound, this episode has so much more visual comedy in it than previous episodes in this mm-hmm. show's run. And I don't think that's by accident. I think that's no. a deliberate intent to show how the band is now settling into this new status quo where they're much more lighthearted and amicable with each other rather than how it was in the ropes of the previous episodes prior to the gig where they were all very, well, wound up tight, I suppose is the phrase for it. The comedy in this show is not just being woven into it like it is the Land of the Lustrous just for, you know, like say, taking a moment off from the, the darkness of it consistently throughout. It's very deliberately been loaded at this particular episode as a come down from the previous ones but also to help relate the band's new relationship to us that you know hey we've been through a little bit of a rough spot but we've got over the hump and now we're going to enjoy ourselves a little bit and i think that that's really really impressive in terms of the writing that it can do that where it's both funny but it's also intentional to help accentuate the tone like you know we've got over the bad part of it but now we can just relax we can be ourselves we can goof off a little bit I thought it was excellently handled here. Yeah, yeah, it really accomplishes a lot, right? I mean, it, it further endears the characters to us. It gives us a chance to see softer sides of, of all the boys and funnier sides of them. But it's also for us too, right? Because, you know, it, taking the analogy of a concert set list, if you, if you fucking throw out, like, just bangers and aggressive you know a a relentless set of those tracks you're gonna tire yourselves out and also your audience and Mm -hmm. so this is as you say like uh a come down it's a nice chill uh moment uh, some downtime with the boys after all the intensity of last week indeed indeed so yeah that was uh that was excellent uh do you have anything else you want to add doc any other points to bring up um Let's see. So, uh, well, look, this is not really a point to bring up, but I wish I had uh, laid an actual wager with you about <laughs> Kasai not getting another line until, <laughs> until the very I, end, I was, I or was, not getting another line in the whole show. Because <laughs> I was as surprised as you are. I will not even lie. I thought I really would have thought, like, and I'm talking from the perspective of a writer here. Never mind you know, just as someone who watches the show, I thought, well, she's served a purpose. That's it. She can bugger off. In fact, I'll say this. What stunned me more was the fact that we actually got introduced to Enoyama's father this episode. Like, where the I know, new characters. <laughs> new characters are coming thick and fast. I'm, I, I honestly thought episode. he was more shocked that his father had turned up. I thought they were like, you know, <laughs> like, who the fuck are you? You're my dad? <laughs> no. Yeah, first is Waka, and then, uh, you know, Mr. Uenoyama. Um, I'm just, crazy. I'm stunned, uh, honestly. Um, but but yeah, she she got to say. I mean, not that it was like in any way uh, agency giving or character building. 
it very much was uh serve the boys in in the story that that <laughs> little bit of a dialogue she got but she got it and i i like laughed and wrote it down uh because i remembered what you said um but the uh an actual point i guess is that um so again talking about uh the way Mafuyu has changed um, over the course of the show. Yeah, I I don't remember if I said this last week, but um, if I did, I just want to again point out that uh, I think uh, it's important how we characterize the change. Um, I think we uh, it, it could be easy, I guess, to say, well, um, Mafuyu has gone back to his old self, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, um, in some senses, uh, is true. But I don't think that paints a, a complete picture. I think what has happened is, um, if I may borrow a Hegelian term, a synthesis, right? Ah, um, yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, you had his his kind of pre-big trauma event self. Uh, and you kind of we got a glimpse of how that was. Uh, last time in the extended flashback um and you have uh his uh well how he presented himself how he was early on in this season of given extremely inwardly focused uh myopic well myopic's not right but just quiet and and inward and Mm. uh very uh lonely kind of isolated um and aspects of those two um, presentations, those two facets of his personality, I think have merged together. Um, and what he is now isn't just like a return. It's like a new step forward into a, this kind of new self that combines different aspects of how he was at different times. It represents like a, like a growth forward mm. because he not only is more uh, uh, verbal, uh, he's more um, outwardly focused, uh, talks more, more personality. Uh, he's also uh, carrying that maturity with him um, and that life experience that really, I think, marks him as a changed and different person than he was before all this happened. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> I mean, this is where the relationship between... Uh, him and Ueniyama now switches because as you say like it is a synthesis but there are cadences and mannerisms to his talk and uh, to his talking and his dialogue in this episode that are very reminiscent of what we see from the previous flashbacks with Yuki when you know he obviously Yuki was still around and he really as you say like just kind of returns to that point but he still brought all those experiences with him he hasn't forgotten about them and it's now up to Inuyama to actually continue building from his previous experience. Like, oh my god, I kissed him. And, and now what? Now how do I feel? Now what do I do? Indeed, uh, Matthew takes him out to a date spot completely without his knowledge or understanding and says to him, I love him. And he's now got to deal with that. <laughs> I was very, very sweet, by the way. And kudos, so good. kudos to the camera, by the way, because I think one of the things about a good boil of show, at least as I understand it at the moment, is that Sometimes it's good to see characters up in that kind of close frame as the people in the show see them. So when we get those close-up, like, quick cuts of, like, various shots of Matthew as he's smiling and looking out over the shoreline, uh, that's from Mueniyama's perspective. We see him as 
Ueni Yama does. Um, and I really, really appreciate that, even as someone who is this material is not really designed for, I still appreciate that that's what they're going for and they're being doing it very effectively. Yeah. Yeah, man, that scene... God, that scene ruled at the end of the episode. Mm. Uh, we got the big the big smile from Mafuyu. Uh, really, I mean, I, we may have seen him smile a bit before, but God, this was just like... The whole shot was filled with his smile, and like it, it was just—I don't know—he just created this presence with it, and uh, it really it shook Ritsuka. Like he couldn't look at him uh, because it, he was so moving. And uh, goddamn, I really I loved that. And we had that, like you said, we had the um, was it the Kokuhaku, the the love confession? Yeah, and uh, fucking. Yes, Uenoyama, you accept that shit. I don't want this like, well, I turned you down, but like, you know, we still hung out exactly the same and everything was exactly the same oh, uh, as it was before, even though I, I turned you down. Well, let me just say, you know what? You know what? I got pissed at the beginning of this. I don't think the show, I, I don't think that what happens is like the worst version of this, but like, a lot of times in anime, in any kind of romance, whether it be um, gay one, a straight one, whatever, like you, the characters will like have a, a, a moment. They'll they'll cross a threshold uh, in their relationship. Significant thing has happened that is meant to change the way things were going forward. Yeah, but yeah. somehow fucking they end up walking that shit back and the characters get to be awkward again and like act like you know maybe it didn't happen and you know this episode started out that way because Ritsuko was very much like oh like I don't how does he feel about me it all happened so fast maybe we should just forget about it maybe maybe I don't I don't know like what if he doesn't it's just all it's hard to be around him it's now awkward when like I think they hit the right note because Doing something like that and not talking about it before or after, like, it's understandable that the two would want to wait for the right moment to kind of figure out what happened yeah. there. And it's understandable that someone like Oenoyama would feel awkward about what uh, kind of him expressing himself in that way because, you know, he's never uh, he's never been with or, or a guy or anything like that. Like, I, and so I think that, like them i don't even know if i would call it walking it back but still having this kind of um awkward phase uh actually like it it felt it felt realistic it felt like yeah. what would sort of organically happen between the two and we got some some nice comedic moments as well out of it so it yeah. it, it was it ended up being fine i think it's very offensive i don't think it's like easy or possible even really to simply go from especially given like you know that Yama, you know, he's just realized his own sexuality. Going simply from recognizing that to being completely and utterly comfortable within his own skin, I think is would probably be asking too much. And I think that's true, even mm. like, you know, of heterosexual people. Like, I've speaking for myself here, it is some embarrassing history of my own. Like, I've met um I've met and kissed women out like in clubs and such in the past, and I've been out on dates from after the facts. And I'll tell you for free, like nine times out of ten when I was on the way to go and meet them on that date most of the time in transit all i could think of was oh god what was i doing 
Like, as in, like, was I embarrassing myself? <laughs> what on earth did they think of me? Like, you know, if I just ignore the phone oh. call, will that will that be fine? Like, so I think it's a very natural and human reaction to be anxious about something, like, so pivotal, like, where the moment is perfect. But then afterwards, you can't help but notice all the little naggly minutiae around it, like, that even might not be true, but you perceive it to be so. So I mm-hmm. totally understood his reaction. I thought it was very authentic as opposed to simply simply waking up and doing, like, you know, a... A Walton's like walking down the stairs, like da da da, ha, ha, like smoking a pipe, whatever, like super happy, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, like business as yeah. usual. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I will add, by the way, that um, when you said all that stuff about walking it back, I just realized how incredibly glad I am that the next episode is called Song Two after Blur's Song Two, as opposed to Mr. Brightside. Because it was oh. only a kiss. It was only a kiss. Oh, How did no, it end up that like be this? Bad. Yeah. That would be so bad. That... I would hate everything if that were the name of it. Man, we're getting more killers references into our podcast every time we do a show. It's great, isn't it? It's lovely. Hmm. So... It shows that uh, despite the fact that we're not soldiers, we in fact have soul. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even know what that line is. Like, I I keep thinking back. No to one knows. I'm just no like no one understands that, it. That's something that someone thought was super cool, and I I just think, God, this is forced as shit. <laughs> it sounds so dumb. It really, it really, really does. does. <laughs> you know what this line is, boys? <sighs> this is Grammy material. <laughs> it's like Os- it's like Oscar bait, yeah. but for music. Uh, anyway, you can't say a soldier without the word soul. Oh wait a minute. What if we? reverse that and deconstruct oh we're fucking geniuses oh my god brandon write it down brandon <laughs> i don't even know if that's the person's name but i don't care it is it's brandon flowers i think he's he's called <laughs> the singer brandon flowers i think that's accurate um i'm gonna google that as you talk all right uh so yeah like just to go back to the shift in relationship though like we get other things like even when he's sick yeah uh, matthew's like you know saying just just stay a little longer like he doesn't outright state his reasoning, but it's very apparent that he's like, you know, you can hang around for a bit. Whereas Rainy Armour's just like, oh god, what do I do? How how do I interact with the human in front of me? <laughs> starts acting more like uh, an alien. And it's not like, you know, it, it, and to, to lend credence to what you're saying and what you have been saying, it's not like uh, Sato Mafuyu is like, fantastic at interacting with people and holding small talk and making making awkwardness easier you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's sort of he was only going to amplify those feelings yeah like when he was just shaking him by the head like doing the george ramsey idiot sandwich thing yeah he's he's had he's had his moments of being difficult before but with a very yeah. good reason mind you all right uh do you want do you have another talking point or can i move on to the next one because i've still got more you got more. Uh, I mean, I I think the only other substantive thing I wanted to mention was the thing that I'm paranoid about. Do, do you want to save that for I, later? I didn't explicitly write this down as a point to talk about, but I have a feeling I know what you're talking about, which is, is it Ugetsu? Uh, it would be. Indeed. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about this now, or do you want to talk no, about no, it No, no, you, you, you lay it on me, Doc. Okay. All right, well, so, uh, Akihiko, when, uh, toward the end of the episode, he comes back to Ugetsu's apartment, 
And uh, first of all, you know, when when he uh, begins to disrobe, let me just like shout out to Akihiko's back. Like, <laughs> holy shit. That back don't that crack. Is, uh, it is. That's a back, man. That's a big, like mountainous region. Like the topography of the back <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> it's quite something like very, very good. Good on you, buddy. Um but uh, I need to start carrying a fucking drums around, apparently. Um, but so uh, he shows Ugetsu the, uh, you know, he, he produces the magical yellow USB drive and uh, shows Ugetsu the live performance. And uh, Ugetsu's thinking about uh, Mafuyu and is saying, well, you know, he's, he's not bad, but this kid could be big. If he had the right kind of trigger, I'm just like, no, Jesus, fuck, like, don't, like, is this gonna be fucking, like, is he gonna be like, all right, I'm an evil genius now, and what I'm going to do is create artificial shitty drama between you and Uenoyama. Like, I don't know, maybe I'll ask you out and I'll break your heart and like do all this stupid shit to like. Uh, put him through the emotional ringer so that he can sing <laughs> good and write sad song. Like, I hope this doesn't happen. That's what I thought when he said that. I don't. I don't want anybody fucking around with him. I don't want like. Can Getsu just leave the anime? Can he just can he do? Just go? Can, can he just do Getsu out? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, God, you know, he, well, he is basically. I'm so nervous about this. He is basically a black-haired Goro Akechi at this point. So there you go. Yeah. What did you think when you heard that? Well, here's the thing, right? There's been a lot of discussion throughout the show about music being about communication, getting your feelings across, and that clearly Matthew hasn't been able to like simply write for the sake of writing it or like perform for the sake of performing for it. It's been driven by his emotion. But I think the point that we're going to try and go into uh, with this in the show is that, you know, some of the greatest performances in the world, uh, and indeed some of the greatest art ever pulled out by missions, has been by people who have been very tortured. I mean, I can think of, for example, Kurt Cobain, or um, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, and I really feel bad for it, but he's the lead singer of Soundgarden. What was his name again? Chris Cornell. Thank you, Chris Cornell. I was getting Scott mm-hmm. in my head for some reason. I couldn't recall. I don't know why. Or even Amy Winehouse, for example. Like, you were, were you thinking of Scott Stapp from Creed? <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> But yeah, like, how many artists have we lost over these? Or even Chester Bainson from Linkin yeah. Park. Like, how many artists have we lost to suicide who otherwise were incredibly talented? Um, I wouldn't, of course, presume a link between mental illness and creativity. But also, you can't exactly, you know, deny the correlation there. So the point... Yeah, I mean, stereotypes exist for a reason. Yeah. Um, but I-, I would push back, like you said. Just, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just want to um, put my opinion down here and just say, like that to 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 a posit that there is a causal link or even some kind of logical necessity between great art or great music and suffering is like the height of folly and sort of selectively picking what's great because mm-hmm. there have been so many great artists and musicians that uh are not suicidal who have had regular lives who have had good lives like all kinds of different like it, it takes all kinds and all kinds of different people from all kinds of walks of life have made great things and so yeah. it's like this fucking whole deal about like oh like 
you know, all these fucking movie directors who uh, abuse women and are, are nasty to them. Well, this is like, you know, this is just part of what it takes to be great in this industry. You know, they gotta, yeah. you, you gotta be a little bit of an asshole uh, to, to be like all that, like that attitude can fucking kick rocks and jump off a bridge into a real, like go away. Exactly. Go away. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but I think that to bring it all back to you, get to, maybe that's his opinion, which I should say is not one I agree with. And I think the shows in the positive is not one to agree with either. Um, that, you know, art comes from suffering. Um, so maybe the idea going along is, I mean, you, you said, for example, you don't want to see this. I, again, am going to take the position of I wouldn't mind seeing it from the perspective of being good for drama. Not to the degree where he's so manipulative, mind you. But I want to see that relationship explore where now that Matthew's actually got that out there, like, can he find a way to create art without relying on his painful experiences or his pain in general? Can he now do that? Because he couldn't do it before. So what happens next? Can he instead, you know, create art from, like, love? Uh, like, you know, yeah. that would be the lessons to be learned. Like, so I don't mind who gets to get involved in that way. I certainly don't want him to start doing some, like, you know, uh, chess master, you know, shit like that. <laughs> exactly. I don't want, like, this show to have an antagonist. No, but I don't mind the idea being tested. I mean, maybe it's a bit presumptuous for me to assume the answer before the show even posits the question. But as I say, like, I don't mind the idea now of, like, what next for for Matthew. Like, can he, you know, produce art? Can he sing without relying on those experiences? Can they, as you say, perhaps become part of a synthesis that informs his future performances without being defined by them? Because, I mean, let's be honest, as good as that previous performance was, it was defined entirely by his experiences with Yuki. So what's mm-hmm. next? I think what's implied... Um that he wants to do. And this is my sort of assuming from context um, when my uh, Ritsuka was taking care of him when he was sick. I think what he wants to write about next, like you were saying is love. I think, and, and you know, the fact that Ueno Yama was like, Oh, next time, next time I hope it's me yeah. that he's performing for and about. Like I, I, I suspect that is where we're going. Now, if we take a detour before we get there for the sake of drama, I mean, I guess as long as it's not a fucking, you know, we we get evil laugh like you know, Ugetsu <laughs> at the top of a dark tower with like lightning coming down. Yeah, kidding, that'd be that'd be the tits. I'd love that. Fucking like bubbling a cauldron. Like oh, I just don't need this. I don't need it at all. I do. I show. think that'd be great. Uh, not literally that though. Like I know what yeah, I know you're speaking metaphorically, but I would totally be fine with him just being like fucking Gargamel from the Smurfs or something. <laughs> can can if that happens, can Akiko please like run to the top of the tower and throw him out of the window? I would be okay with that <laughs> yeah. too. We'll make God. it'll be great. Um, He's just kind of a pretentious dick at this moment. I don't really like him. No, nor do I for at all. <laughs> Not to mention, I don't think we've actually seen him like leave the apartment yet. What does he do? <laughs> we've only seen him coming back that one time. Is he a vampire? <laughs> he might be. I think he is. I'm, I'm sorry, Akiko. Oh. I cannot be exposed to sunlight. Yeah, you can. No, yeah, I can't. I, I'm so no, scared. I can only play violin at the night. Yeah. The only. The only. We have to live in this freezer. <laughs> the only vitamin D he's getting is vitamin D for douchebag. Ayo. Oh. All right. Okay. So, uh, my next talking point. I'm going to revisit a little bit of old ground here, but just to offer a new twist on it. Let's talk about Ayo again. 
and I know I mispronounced the name then, but fuck it, yeah, I don't care. That's okay. So, Yoyo get Yoyo. Hey, now I'm now I'm self conscious of it. Shit. That's okay. Sister. Uinayama's sister. Female character number 213. <laughs> sister subtype. Uh, the hottest one uh, of all the ones. She gets dumped at some point because it happens off screen. Quote unquote. <laughs> who, who knows? You get dumped if you're not going out. <laughs> I think that's very presumptuous on her part. <laughs> I pass. Clearly, she feels very strongly about it. Yes. So here's the thing, right? I, in the previous episode, when our long talk about how I wish Yayoi and also to a lesser degree uh, Kasai were more involved in the plot as allies, not as romantic interests of any sort, no way. And if they were involved at that level, it would only then to have them transition from that to being allies instead. And I felt that was kind of a problem. But now that this has kind of just been wrapped up in the way it has been, I do have to question what ultimate purpose she serves in the show. Because she's only otherwise really been it to provide one or two comedic moments. And I'm sure people can chime in and say, well, there was this bit that you missed, and I'm more than happy to hear that. But it kind of recontextualizes my criticism in that there's two ways you can look at this. Either A, this is something Given is trying to talk about, but is failing at, or B, the one I'm now leaning more towards, it was never talking about that in the first place, but this is a place it could expand into in the future um, as something else to discuss. Because I think, if being honest, when Yayoi like contextualized that as like you know that she was never really going out with Akiko in the first place, if you think back to all the experiences they've shared together or like all the scenes we've seen of them together, that pretty much rings true. I would argue it didn't feel like they were really a genuine couple. That's she feels no. so strongly about it to cut her hair in a show where we have another couple, one of whom kills themselves over a sh- a, a shallowish argument. Uh... Dunno. Not so sure on that one. I'm not going to hold it against the show, mind you. I think it's just a coincidence that happened more than anything. I'm not, like, mad about it. Just something to note. But, yeah. I, th- I think Ueki's wrong about the shallow nature of their argument. Well, yeah. Um, we only we can only go off we, what we know, though. Um, but, again, like, that whole thing, like, you know, of here's what was said versus how one interprets it. That's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the commonality, but I'm not going to dwell mm-hmm. on it because I ultimately don't really mind, nor am I holding against the show. Because let's be honest, Yayoi's role has been peripheral, shall we say? But that just then makes me ask why she's in the show at all to throw pillows at Inuyama from off screen. I mean, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yes, to, that's quite to funny. Lay on him. <laughs> so that's quite funny. Don't get me wrong. But all in all, I think that especially given now Kasai has returned. I think it's going to be something that I'll just say that I wish the show explored, which was the idea of people being allies to LGBTQ plus characters like um, Uenayama, like particularly the family thing. Because, I mean, hell, we've got Uenayama's father in there now. So it would be nice to have them involved in a way where they could ultimately, you know, say, we're cool with it. To build on that, you know, examination mm-hmm. of like nascent LGBTQ plus sexuality by involving an element that often is probably one of the most difficult things for a person to deal with, which is their immediate family. But that doesn't seem to have happened or will happen as far as I can tell. And maybe it will. There is still time. Um but I Maybe when they like officially start going out. Hmm. Maybe. And I would love nothing more than there just be a long scene in which they talk it out and you're always like what the fuck are you talking about? I'm totally cool with you. I'm totally cool with him. 
I'm glad you're happy. Why the fuck did you think this in the first place? Yeah, and or why are you why are you telling me something I already knew? Ex- exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I would I would love a scene like that because, like I say, I I think that I personally would want and hope I am trying to be or am being a good ally, and that will always form a part of you know Elskulos experiences because people don't groups don't exist in a vacuum. We intermingle. We cross over. Hmm. Um, so I think that, as I say. It's not an element of the show I'm going to criticize as being weak because I don't think it intends to explore it, but I do think it's a place that the story and the ideas could ultimately expand into in the future. Mm. One final stressor, of course, is I don't want any like heterosexual, like romantic rivals for Inuyama or Matthew or any of that crap because that's not what the show is. Because <laughs> that's not what the show is about. You know, in other shows that would be what fine. about what about uh, Ueki? Maybe being like, you know, uh, a, how do you call it? Uh, a, a love interest or, or feeling like he wants to, would you, would you settle for gay rivals? Yeah. Of... <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I would. If, if there were love triangles, I, I don't think that one has a chance of happening. And I feel like he's kind of, uh, I don't recall the name of his kind of tall, dark haired, uh, friend slash more than friend but i feel like they're meant to be together because hmm. he's comforting him <laughs> you know what i mean oh god um, you're thinking of a hiragi is that right yeah yeah i it, i guess his surname is ueki uh because that's the that's the only uh, that's who i'm what i'm pulling because that's what he got called in the episode <laughs> um but yeah like he's i guess a potential rival for mafuyu's affections he seems to, you know, be quite interested in him and kind of not know how to express it. Yeah. Similarly to Uenoyama. But, well, uh, then, but he also gets like burned this episode, which I thought was incredibly funny. It is true. Uh, but, the, <laughs> but the reason I uh, think that I would be fine with that in this case is because it would again play into not just apart from simply, you know, giving shippers something to talk about, <laughs> you know, right. getting those shipping schedules yeah. out, boys, boats coming in. Uh <laughs> But rather because I think that would play into Uriniyama's growing like new problem, which is I want to be shown more affection through song and etc. from Matthew. And what if someone mm. else is showing affection towards him? How do I then feel about it? I've only just come to terms with who I am, and now I feel that's threatened in some way. Yeah, Ooh, that that that'd th- be good. That's why I think that it would be relevant. Having a head of rival, like I say, like no point. I'm not buying a porn magazine, you know, read about electric razors and shit like that, so why the fuck would people watch a boiler thing to, you know, <laughs> to, you know, have that, have heterosexual rivals uh, in there? It's daft. Yeah. It's funny, because I'm right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm joking, I guess, joking. I, well, I guess maybe for Aki, since he's sort of established already as bi. But but I think actually people are already here for him and Ugetsu. I think that would just be annoying to people. Well, they've already disposed of Yayoi off screen. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't think that was ever... Yeah. Like, he could still be bisexual, don't get me wrong. But I think insofar as how it will like present him and what he will ultimately deal with in terms of his own relationships, it will be guy on guy. Yeah, they kind of put a bullet in that one. So you're yeah. right. And that's why I say that I just wish there was more involvement. Um, otherwise I just don't like, I don't get what would be lost if you jettison Yayoi from the show entirely apart from the comedic stuff, but I'm talking about stuff of, like, substance right, what right. What do you lose 
I I got nothing. <laughs> like I say, you could well, you could replace Kasai with a newspaper. That's I still stand by. I know, just just a random sandwich board with instructions on it. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm I'm hopeful uh, that you know. So, so while some people in our Discord have been saying, which by the way you can join for as little as two dollars a month, go to patreon.com slash warui desho now and sign up. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> beard stroke, beard stroke. Um uh people have been saying that it seems to be getting some traction, so they're more optimistic about a second season, so maybe the second season Yayoi gets her time to shine. I don't know. Or, Maybe. E- or even how about Uriyama's parents? I mean, parents. the parents have been absent from Moses with the exception of arguably Matthew's father. He's had the most screen time out of any of them. Uh, and, well, guess what? He got sent to jail for abusing him. So that's great. Oh my god. So that's fantastic. But again, like uh. that's why I want these elements to be involved, these family elements, because they're a big part of, you know, just coming to terms with who you are growing up, especially if you're, mm-hmm. you know, LGBTQ+. Like, We've you and I, Doc. We've spoken to people who've been on this podcast before and others elsewhere who've related experiences about how they still struggle to deal with their families these days. Like, I'm not, of course, going to name anyone or speak for their experiences. That's not my place. But I know people who said that they, you know, still can't deal with, like, for example, their family talking about their dead name because they're trans. So yeah. I, it's a it's a big yeah. part of you know of learning that you're LGBTQ plus and then accepting it and then trying in turn to, you know, get the world to accept you as well. And having people you've lived for your entire life, maybe not accept that, or maybe even, you know, absolutely accept it. That would make the show more relevant in my opinion. So that's why I want, yeah, always to be more involved just to be clear folks. Again, I don't want no, like, you know, romance rivalry shit for Akiko, <laughs> but I wanted to play a pivotal part in Ueniyama's like, you know, growing understanding of who he is. Cause that's, in real life, that's how that would play out. And that doesn't even need that she necessarily needs to agree with him. We could totally go down the road where she doesn't like him being gay. And guess what? He could then, you know, discard her as a family member because, speaking from my own experience here, as I have done before, you know, blood might run thicker than water, apparently, but you can't fucking drink it, unless you're again a vampire, I suppose. So if you if you have toxic family members who aren't accepting who you are, get rid. That's another good lesson that people can and should yep. learn. And the show yep. could potentially... Have. like th- That's the thing when I say it's not about it doing it wrong, it's about expanding. There's plenty of potential whatever way you take it. And as it is, she throws pillows and looks pouty. Cool. Don't complain. <laughs> By the way, can I point something out as Don't well? Don't take can that I, away. Can I point something out as well just to leave this on a lighter note? Um, you might yes. note that Yayoi in the scene where she's cutting her hair is wearing the exact same outfit that she was wearing at the gig, but it's the day after. Right. Did she fall asleep in that? <laughs> yes, unquestionably, yes. Or, or, is I she, bet she... <laughs> or is she Lisa Simpson where she's just always got the same dress no matter what? <laughs> I, yes. And I want to see the finished haircut. Uh, come on, Given. You're teasing me. Show show me the finished haircut next episode, please. Just gonna look like she's been mauled by a mountain lion. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> no, 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 no. That can't uh, be. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have any more talk about socks? I have one last one. Uh, well, I wanted to say that I told you that Haruki would be the fucking social media account manager. Yeah, you were right. 
he's the only one responsible enough and like I don't know that seems to have any kind of uh, wherewithal about how things like that work like and wouldn't be neglectful uh, so yes they're pushing off all the work on him uh, to do to do the accounts and uh, by the way what was um what was his buddy's his his patron's name <laughs> that that followed him on Twitter it was like the roast pork boys or oh, something oh <laughs> god <laughs> tremendous he knows what he's into and he's got a sweet twitter picture as well he does he does he knows how to he knows how to get his brand out there but uh i've got my i've got my brand out there headphones and a giant mug of beer boom that's perfect perfect love it perfect uh but yeah haruki uh holding it down doing the little things that are gonna get the band uh momentum and keep it going and fuck yeah, like, you know, Akihiko, notice your boy there. If he's, you know, if you're going to tell him to be a little more conceited, notice him. Why don't you show him your back? Okay, <laughs> not just Ugetsu, a prick. Um, <laughs> oh, also, I, I wanted to ask you what you thought of, uh, you know, you mentioned the father, uh, Mr. Uenoyama. But there's another sort of new character of this episode. At least she's named... Now, we, we saw her briefly in the last episode. Um, don't confuse her with the famous blitzball player of Spira. It's Waka. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. What what do you think about her little moment this episode? Uh, I thought it was fine. Like I didn't have much really to say on it other than it was just, again, like a reflection of audience reaction. Like We, we got to see it, but now someone gets to verbalize it. Like, hey, you, you know, I was really taken aback by it, um, and I want to see them again. So this also ties in with the fact that... Um, Roast Pork Boy, I can't remember his name, uh, said, <laughs> yeah, hey, can we have another gig? Like, you get to see both sides. You get to see the organizer, you get to see the public side of it. Um, but otherwise, I don't really have much to remark on that um, because it just seemed more like a statement of like, hey, I, I liked it, I enjoyed it, and that's what we saw in the previous episode. But I'm cool with that. Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, I, I it was further confirmation of the observation that I made last time. I think that a person got it in the audience like that he not just that like people were enjoying it but i felt like her at least if no one else uh understood him you know because she says like oh i knew him i went to school with him i based on knowing him i feel like i know what that song is about and so it really hit me like i shivered all the way down to the bottom of my feet i had to grab my boyfriend's hand like she really got it like he really connected with someone and it's like you know i i she hasn't really had her own stuff to do, but just from her reportage of her experiences and, and everything, like it, it just made me happier even for Mafuyu. So I was happy she was there to relate those things. Mm, indeed. All right. Final talking point for me. Let's talk about those good old heartstrings. Oh boy. So mm. um spends the first part of the episode monologuing to himself in his head about how the heart is like the strings of a guitar. And heartstrings is such an obvious thing that I'm sure so many people have heard of before. I'll not labor the point of what he discussed. But what I will bring up is what Matthew says later on when he's going shopping for strings. Like they have a dis- he has a discussion with uh, Hiragi where he says, um, you know, I've got these replaced. Like, you know, they won't break again. But Hiragi says that's something to the effect of that's nonsense. And... I feel this is kind of prophetic in a little way because if you mm. tie it back to the original discussion, like 
just because Matthew like has now got f- past that big moment of getting his feelings out there through song, it doesn't mean his pain is going to go away, and it doesn't mean he won't be exposed to any more pain in the future. Which is why I think that might be a sign that not right now, but in the future of Rocky Wars is between him and Ueniyama. And here's the thing, though. That, from a storytelling perspective, is fine. And it's actually healthy, I would argue, from a storytelling perspective. And this is, one again, one of the things I like about Given so much that it's not naive about, well, at least in certain respects with regard, not regards to the family stuff I mentioned before, but I'll leave that aside. But it's not naive in, you know, saying that, hey, it's, you know, you'll figure out who you are and you're done. And it's great, you know. Learning starts with a realisation, but then you build from there. You build your knowledge up, you build your understanding, you build your wisdom. And that, I think, applies here too. So I think that Hiragi's like, discussion with uh, Matthew there about strings and the fact that, that any string can snap, even if they've been replaced, is the show, again, pointing out to us with the context of Wayne Yama's in the monologue before, that he suffered heartbreak once. Some of the worst, most harshest heartbreak one could experience, something that I wish I'll know what. But it doesn't mean that he's not going to experience it again or some kind of pain or, you know, discomfort or anxiety or concern about his emotions or his love life or his relationships. And I really appreciate that. Like, I complained a little bit in one of the previous discussions we had about the idea of, you know, how his strings wound up too tight as a bit too on the nose. But I like Mm. how it develops this concept further now to actually be relevant to the characters specifically and to remind us that, you know, hey, we'll continue to keep fucking up, we'll continue to keep making mistakes, and that doesn't mean we should, you know, not try to make mistakes, you know, or try not to hurt each other. We should always try to be good to each other. But inevitably, things will happen. Conflict will happen despite best of intentions. Um, But like I say, you just gotta keep replacing them and keep on going. Yeah, well said. Well said. I I was also glad that they revisited this, that it wasn't like a an easy kind of slam dunk one-off metaphor. They're like, oh, let's see, you know, let's let's explore, let's make this like a motif, thematically, so to speak, and and let's let's touch upon this further. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you, absolutely. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that um, if I don't think you have any uh, other points to add, am nope. I right? Uh, so I think no, that otherwise sir. concludes our look at Wonderwall episode ten, give ten of given. And Give ten. Hey, uh, the show continues to be great. One final thing I'll note, by the way, that's not really a massive talking point, but just something I'm really pleased about. You and I, Doc, have talked and even covered shows before um, that reach a certain climax about three quarters of the way through their runtime. After that point, the show is pretty much over, but continues going. Uh, two examples that immediately spring to mind for me, although we've never really discussed them at length on the podcast, uh, with one exception, maybe. First one being Erased. Because once in because yeah, because once Inazaki, you know, has been rescued, then the momentum just kind of goes out of the sails of the show. In my opinion, it's nowhere mm-hmm. near as compelling to watch. Um, I wonder if the one I have in mind is the one you will name. Uh, it probably won't be, but the other one I have in mind is Violet Evergarden. Oh, not the one because <laughs> I haven't finished that one. Uh, what are you I was doing? Say, I know uh, it's bad. I'm bad. Uh, I was gonna make the controversial. Uh, a pick of, of Yuri on Ice. Ah, <laughs> uh, we'll disagree on that one, but that's fair. That's fair. Um, so yeah, like the, you have shows like that where once they reach their emotional climax, 
uh, at the three quarters point. They have nothing else to do with their characters. Like, they've run out of ideas. I mean, in Violet Evergarden, once Violet comes to a realisation of, like, who she is and that she doesn't need to be so worried about following, you know, the orders of her superior who's now dead, uh, she still, of course, has episodes where she goes out and does her job. Like, the incredibly fucking heartbreaking one involving the a child. Uh, I'll not say any more because you've not seen it actually, and I want you to experience that mm-hmm. raw, so you can bleed as I bled. Because holy shit! Oh. Did you see Ugh. the uh, the OAV that no, recently popped up no, on Netflix? I will do okay. at some point. It'll happen at some point. But anyway, like for me, you could have ended it at the episode where Violet like comes to that realization, and similarly erased like wider murder plot notwithstanding, you could have ended it at the point in which Inazaki is saved from her abusive father. Uh, yeah, I liked it all. I liked that one all the way through. <laughs> and to be clear, I liked Yuri on Ice all the way through. I was just, um, I-, I felt like artificial drama perhaps was created at the end, like a walking back of things and artificial drama to create kind of this moment at the end that I thought like, we'd already gotten there. Like, why are you doing this? Maybe this is just me like not appreciating good drama and wanting my characters to be happy. Um, <laughs> and we'll ch- I'll chalk it up to that. But I like all of those shows and I like Violet Evergarden as well. I need to get back to it. You should. But to bring it back to Given, like we've had a similar kind of thing here where the climactic, like, big moment of the entire show i mean come on we're not going to see another moment like matthew singing for the first time in in the next episode i don't see how they can do it i don't see how they can make something that powerful in in the next episode not there's no time to build up for a start but here's the point Mm -hmm. though that's not a bad thing and i'm still compelled to see what happens next because given is doing what those shows could not it's got something for the characters to do going forward we can see already the seeds being planted of issues and problems uh, for Inuyama, particularly as he's just coming, still coming to terms with who he is and what his relationship is with Matthew. It's not run out of things to do with them. That's the most important thing. So I'm really, really glad it's done that. And we need to see him play this basketball game already. Okay, <laughs> that's what I want to say. I wanted to see him win the basketball tournament. Ah, uh, this is true. <laughs> um. But yeah, like the show, the show has definitely done that, and I'm super glad it has. I totally agree. I'm glad you brought this up. I really am because this could have happened, um, right? I mean, it could have been. Well, we've done the thing, so let's just fuck around for a couple weeks. Uh, but uh, you know, since this is an adaptation, it seems like they've got new stuff and more, more in the way of direction to to push toward. Um, but but yeah, I I'm super glad that um, the final uh, couple weeks will hold my interest, you know, just as much as uh, it's ever been held by the show. Indeed, and in turn, if you listening at home would like to join us as we close out, given next week, uh, on you, and if you would also in turn like access to other amazing patron only content, uh, do feel free to subscribe for as little as two dollars a month. Get in on that, and if you're listening to this elsewhere for the first time when it's been released publicly. Uh, feel free to give us a like and subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, uh, wherever you may find us. Always helps our discoverability. Um, we will be back next week for the finale. I believe this is the last one, uh, as I understand it, because it's only 11 episode yes. series. Uh, with Song 2, I had to physically Woo-hoo. restrain I had to physically restrain <laughs> myself. You've... <laughs> That was a game of chicken, uh, that, wasn't it? Which one of sorry. us would do it first? So yeah. So anyway, we'll be back next week with Song I was, 2. Uh, I was... Sorry. There we go. I was feeling too metal. 
there you go there you go and by the way can <sighs> i just say like i've not even seen the episode yet but that song feels so appropriate as a send-off just of pure unbridled energy i know like i know it's so good it's so good yes and it mirrors the feelings i i have i think that uh, at the end of this ride damn straight so until next time folks uh, thank you as always very much for joining us if you do have feedback we're always curious to hear that as well be you a patron or not feel free to let us know either on twitter at warrior death show uh, or you know on our discord if you're a patron always look happy to hear your opinions and from myself and duck uh, we'll return next week for song two final episode of given you know maybe they'll do as an encore we don't know but it's been a good gig regardless so until then as always embrace everyone to the ends of the universe and a very good night Mwah. Good evening.